Have you ever felt like the odds were stacked against you? Maybe it was something in your, your marriage. It could be something in trying to raise your kids. Maybe it was something to do with, you know, where you work. It, it just feels like everything is against you. Have you ever been there before? It just feels like it's, it's hopeless that there is absolutely no way out. You know, most Americans, they feel that way about their finances. It could be because of bad financial decisions that you've made in your life. It could just be, you know, mountains of student debt that you now have. It's like there is just absolutely no way that I can get out of this. And, and for what a lot of people do then is they just simply give up. They're like, why even bother trying? And, of course, that just makes it, it worse, doesn't it? It's now more stress. It's now more debt that you have. It just feels like there's too many bills and not enough money. And so most people are like, all right, I, I'm just, I'm done. I can't handle this. The odds are completely against me. But do you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. And so today we're beginning a brand new series called Simple Money, Rich Life, which is based off of a book by the exact same name. Now, if you've been around here at Exponential for any amount of time, you know that every three or four years or so, we do a financial series, like a full-blown financial series. And the reason that we do a series every couple years is because this is very, very important. Did you know that Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined? That Jesus talked really about money more than he talked about anything else because he said that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be as well. And Jesus said that you can't serve both God and money. He didn't say you can't serve both God and Satan. He says you can't serve both God and money. He knew that money would be the number one competitor that he would have for your heart. And so we talk about this here at Exponential every couple years. And usually what we do is I, I share with you the, the plan that Lisa and I have been following for many, many years now that's helped us to have financial independence. But I'm not going to do that in this series. I want to give you a little bit something different. Because the, the, what we do, and if you're interested in it, we, we talk in, you know, the, the plan that we use, how to get out of debt, how to stay out of debt, how to save for emergencies, how to invest in the future, and then how to become radically generous. If you're interested in that, they're all on our website, exponential.church. You can go back and listen to some of them, and then some of them are now vid uh, available on video as well. So it's uh, Mind Your Own Business. We did that one. We did uh, one called uh, This Little Piggy Had None. We uh, did one called Strapped, and then right before uh, COVID hit, if you remember, the series we did right before we got shut down for COVID was called Economy, and that one is available on video that you can go in and, and watch all that. But I wanted to give you just a little bit of a different twist here this time. It's all still based off of scripture, but the guy that wrote the book that we're basing this off of, his name is Bob Lotech. And it's his sort of plan of how he got to be financially independent. And it's interesting because what motivated him to get out of debt and ultimately to stay out of debt was a quote from the guy that started the United Methodist uh, Church and the United Methodist Movement, and his name is John Wesley. Here's what Wesley wrote. I gain all that I can, namely by writing, without hurting either my body or my soul or body. I save all I can, not willingly wasting anything, not a sheet of paper, not a cup of water. Yet, by giving all that I can, I am effectually secured from laying up treasures upon the earth. Yea, I am secured from either desiring or endeavoring as long as I give all that I can. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but sort of more in the summary of it. So I put it on your outline. It's this, that you need to earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can, and enjoy it all. And so what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to talk about each one of those. Earn all you can, 
save all you can, give all you can, and what's the last one? Enjoy it all. It's very important that you understand this one because this is like a, a chair. You need all four parts for it to work effectively. If you take one leg out of a chair, it topples over. And so you need to earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can, but again, you need to enjoy it all. It's important that you do this last part here. And so that's what we're going to look at throughout the series. And we're going to look at how you can do each one of these steps so that God shows up then and plays his part. Because, look, that's the most important part of your finances. God needs to show up and do his part. And so I want to look here at a story that's found in 2 Chronicles, if you want to sort of follow along today. In 2 Chronicles, uh, by the time we, we get to this story... The nation of Israel actually had gone through a civil war, and they're divided into two kingdoms. So there's the kingdom of Israel, and now there's the kingdom of Judah. Now, the, the kingdom of Judah, by the time this story happens, oh my goodness, three different kings are coming at them. They're, they're coming at, at all sides. And King Jehoshaphat, he's like, this situation is hopeless. I, I mean, the odds are stacked against us. But then he does a couple things, and we see a couple things here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 that are good lessons for us when it comes to our finances. So let's uh, look at the first one. It's first, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Uh, Jehoshaphat, he begins to pray publicly before all the people, and here's what he prays, uh, at least a part of the prayer. He says, we are powerless before this vast army that comes against us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And I want you to see that it's the same thing with your financial situation. Yes, it may look like the odds are stacked against you. It may look like the armies are coming against you. But it's not hopeless. And so the first thing you need to do is just pray and admit to God, look, I'm in over my head financially and I don't know what to do. But God, my eyes are upon you. Take your eyes off of the situation. Take your eyes off of the debt. Take your eyes off of the stress and feeling overwhelmed. And put your eyes firmly on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Now, after Jehoshaphat prays this prayer, one of the, the prophets of Judah speaks up and says this. We, we read it in verses 15 to 17. This is what the Lord says. Do not be what? Do not, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but whose? The battle is not yours, it's God's. And so here's what you must do. Tomorrow the enemy armies will march through the desert around the town of Jeruel. March down and meet them at the town of Ziz as they come up out of the valley. You won't even have to do what? You won't even have to. You're not even going to have to fight. Just take your positions and watch the Lord rescue you from your enemy. Don't be afraid. Just do as you're told. As you march out tomorrow, the Lord will be what? The Lord will be, he's going to be there with you. We just sang this just a couple moments ago in the song. That the battle belongs to the Lord. Your financial battle, it's not your battle. This is God's battle to fight on your behalf. But I want you to notice here in 2 Chronicles, 
the people of Judah, they still had a part to do, didn't they? The battle was God's, but the prophet said, you still have to march out into the town. You do your little small part. You march out into the town, and then the Lord will do his part. He'll take over. And you see, it's the same way financially. There are some simple things that you and I need to do with our finances, some marching orders, so to speak. And if we'll do our little simple part, God will show up and do his part. In other words, if you'll do the things that are natural, God will show up and do the supernatural for you. It's as simple as that. And that's what Lisa and I have been doing for many years now. I've shared our story before. Before I became a pastor, we made a lot of money, and we blew it all. And then when I decided that, you know, God was calling me to be a pastor, the very first church that I was a pastor of, $22,000 was my income for the year. Not very much money. And we realized we have got to figure out this financial component of our walk with Jesus. And so we started to apply some simple, practical principles to our lives. We did our part, and God has shown up and just blessed us incredibly now over the past 23 years. You do your part, and God will do his part. But we've got to be faithful. Now, the question you may have is, Gilbert, if it's that simple, why don't more people do it? Well, I've shared this with you before, not just in financial series, but I've shared it with you in a couple other series as well about all different topics of life. And it's this little phrase, and hopefully you remember it by now. It's going to be on your outline. That things which are easy to do are also easy what? Not to do. Things which are easy to do are also easy not to do. Financial blessing in America isn't hard. But the problem is most Americans, they want what they want, and they want it right now. So what do they do? They spend, and they spend, and they spend, and they spend. They get into all kinds of debt. In fact, most Americans spend even more than what they earn. And so we got all this mountain of debt that we accumulate because we want what we want, we want it right now. In other words, we don't have discipline to do things God's way. We don't wait for God to show up and do his blessing. And he's like, look, if you just want to bless yourself, then that's all you're ever going to get is the little bit that you're slapping on the credit cards and the loans that you're taking out for a new car and all these kinds of, that's all you're ever going to get. And what you're really getting with that is, a lot of stress, and a lot of debt. If you'll wait and allow him, or you'll you'll do the little small things he says, he'll do his part, and he's going to bless you more than if you're just spending money for yourself. You got to do your little small part first. For Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, the little small part, you march out, then God's going to do the miracle for you. We see this principle all throughout Scripture. Moses, what was Moses told? You go out to the edge of the Red Sea. You lift up your staff. Then the miracle is going to take place. Think about the the, 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 uh, disciples. Yes, Jesus, he's the one that prayed over the bread. He prayed over the fish. But it wasn't until the disciples went out and they started to give it away to distribute it. Then the miracle took place. If you'll do your little small part, God will show up and do his part as well. When you do the natural, God will do the supernatural. So the question then becomes, all right, what are some of the simple, natural, easy things that you and I are called to do when it comes to finances? Well, this is where Bob Lotek in his book, he he gives his plan of of how he's done this. So here's the first thing he says that we've got to do. We must know our AUM, that is our assets under management. 
I must know my AUM, that's assets under management. You're going, what in the world does that mean? Well, let me explain it this way. How many of you ever tried to lose weight before? Tried to lose weight before? Yeah. Oh, I said, at some point in life, we have tried to lose weight. What's the first thing you do when you want to lose weight? You get out the old scale, you put it down, you step on it, and you go, oh, my. <laughs> That's the first step. You've got to know where you're starting at in order to then know where do I want to get to. And what you continue to do is over the coming days and weeks and months, you keep getting on that scale to measure your progress. That makes so much sense when it comes to losing weight, doesn't it? That I need to, to know what the number is. But yet we don't think to do that same thing when it comes to our finances. And so you have to know your assets under management. Now, typically we call this your, your net worth. But I love a point that Bob makes in the book that he wrote and he says, look, when it's assets under management, it reminds you of two things. Number one, it's management. These aren't your assets. These are God's assets. You're just a manager of God's stuff. In other words, you don't own anything. And I talked about this back in the Mind Your Own Business series, that you have a business to run called You, Inc. But really, you're not the CEO. You're just the vice president. God is the CEO. He's the president. You are running his business. And so these are God's assets, and you are called to be a manager of it. You don't get a paycheck. You don't have money. You don't have a house. You don't have a car. You don't have clothing. It's all God's. And he wants to know, how are you doing with the stuff that I've given to you? The stuff that you are to manage on my behalf, he says. So it's assets under management. And the other thing that Bob writes in the book that I love is he said, you know what, when you use that term, your, your net worth, you've got to keep in mind that your worth has nothing to do with the finances that you have. Your worth has nothing to do with the possessions that you have. Your worth is found in your relationship with Jesus. That's where true worth comes from. Not how much you have, but in how much he's loved you and you are loving him back. So assets under management. You know, Jesus, he, 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 he sort of talks about this, of, of knowing where you're at when it comes to finances. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What's the first thing you'll do? Won't you sit down and figure out how much it's going to cost and if you have enough money to pay for it? Just like you better have an idea of where you are financially. Do you have enough to be buying and, and then getting all the stuff that you keep, you know, slapping on the credit card? Or are you just getting in more and more debt? And so we, we've got to have a, a snapshot of where we are financially. So how do you go about doing something like that? Well, here's the simplest way to do it. Get out a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, what you're going to do is you are going to list everything that you have that is under your management from God that if you were to try to sell it today, you could get at least $1,000 or more for. So how much could you sell your house for? How much could you sell your car for? Maybe you have some expensive jewelry that you could sell. Or, or maybe you take all your jewelry and you sort of combine that, you know, together. That this is the, the jewelry. Maybe, guys, you have a bunch of tools. Whatever it is that if you could get $1,000 or more, you're going to list each one of those things and how much you could get for it today. Not what you paid for it, but what you could get for it today. 
You just simply make a, a list of all those things. You total it up. Those are your assets. Next, you're going to do the same thing, but you're going to do your debts. How much do you owe the, the bank, you know, for your mortgage for your house? You know, what, what remains? Not what did you originally take the loan for. How much still remains? Uh, you'll do things like, you know, car payments, uh, student loans. Maybe you took a loan from your grandmother. What, whatever it is, if you have some credit card debt, you're going to list all those debts, what it is today. You're going to total that up. And then you're going to subtract that number, all of your debts, from that top number, which was your assets. Now, if you're like one out of every five Americans, that's going to be a negative number. In other words, you have more debt than you have assets. For the rest, though, it's going to be a positive number. Anywhere from $1 up to, you know, a couple billion dollars, depending on who you are. As I'm looking around, I don't see any billionaires, so it's going to be, you know, a little, <laughs> little, little lower than that. If you are a billionaire, you need to start tithing, by the way, uh, because uh, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not seeing it. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. <laughs> Here's the point. The number that you come to, whether it's a negative number today, whether it's a positive number today, that number right now does not matter. Today, it's just a snapshot of where you're at. And what it's going to do is that number is going to help you start to set some goals. And you're going to continue to do this asset under management like activity two times a year, three times a year. Maybe you do it every quarter just to see, am I progressing? In the same way that you get on the scale to see, am I doing better? So you're going to continue to do this, this evaluation. Now, for me, I don't do it by paper. I use a computer program called Quicken. How many of you ever heard of Quicken? You ever heard of that before? It's, it's uh, pretty cheap to, to get it, and it's going to save you so much uh, heartache and, and so much time. So that's what tracks my assets under management right for me. It just automatically happens for me. If you don't want to do a, a program like that, you can go to Bob's website, and uh, I'm not sure I put this in your outline, uh, so you may just want to write this down. His website is seedtime.com, seed as in like planting seeds, S-E-E-D, time.com. And he has a free worksheet right there on his website that gives you this assets under management of here's all my debts, here's all my assets, and uh, you're able to, uh, to do it. All right, so that's the first one. You got to know your AUM, your assets under management. Number two, I must follow the never 100 rule. Again, I must follow the never 100 rule. How many of you remember the boxer Mike Tyson? Remember Mike Tyson? As I was growing up as a boy, he was sort of in his heyday, and then in my teen years, he was just dominating everybody. Did you know that Mike Tyson made $400 million boxing throughout his career? That's a lot of money, isn't it? $400 million. However, did you know that six years after he retired from boxing in 2003, he declared for bankruptcy? He was $23 million in debt. Or how about this? Professional basketball players, professional football players, they make millions and millions and millions of dollars every single year. But did you know that 60% of NBA players are broke within five years after they retire from the league? And that 78% of all NFL players report that they have great financial stress within just two years after leaving the league. My point is this. It doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter how much you make. You don't have an income problem. You have a what? 
a spending problem. If you're making a million dollars a year and you're spending a million dollars a year, you're living paycheck to paycheck. It doesn't matter how much you make. It matters how much you're spending. And so this rule, the never 100 rule, means never, ever, 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 ever spend 100% of your monthly income. Never, ever. Now, I shared this in the previous series with you, the the plan that Lisa and I have. We only spend 60% of our income on our living expenses. Now, that's pretty extreme, and we had to work our way there. But only 60% of our income is what we spend on, you know, food, clothing, housing, you know, vacation, you know, all all those things. 60%. Again, you don't have to start there at 60%, but maybe start at 80. Never, ever, ever spend all of your income. You're going, well, what do you do with the remaining 40%, Gilbert? Well... That's where we we save for emergencies. In fact, we just had one. Many of you remember this past summer. Lisa's yelling out in the basement. She's like, the basement's flooding. And what had happened is uh, our well uh, pipe that comes into the home, it had burst. And now the water's going everywhere. And as they came out to try to fix it, they were like, we're just going to have to completely redo the well for you and stuff. So about $15,000. But we were able to pay cash for that. Why? Why? Because we never, ever, ever spend 100% of our income. We've saved up for emergencies. We've saved up for the the future. We save up for special things that we want to do. And part of that 40% as well is that we're able to give not just a tithe to exponential, but we're able to give above and beyond the tithe to Exponential, and we're able to, to give to other missionaries and, and to other people, and if we see a need, we, we meet that need. We try to be radically generous. Most of you know, if you go out to eat with me, who's getting the bill? Who pays the bill when we go out to eat? Every time. Who is it? This guy, right? Why? Because I want to bless you. But we couldn't do that if we were living 100% of our income because we would need all that for ourselves. Never, ever spend all of your income. Save up for emergencies. Pay cash for cars like we do. Invest and then become radically generous. Solomon talks about this in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. He says, you lazy people can learn by watching an anthill. Ants don't have leaders, yet they work hard all summer gathering food for the winter. Most people in America, they just spend, 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 spend. They never save up, and then they complain that, oh, man, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm just barely getting by. And that's on a good day. I mean, if your car breaks down or, or you have, a, 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 like, an emergency, an appliance breaks down, you have an unexpected medical bill, all of a sudden now you have a financial crisis at hand. So you've got to learn to live off of less than 100%. You're going, okay, go over it. How do you do that, though? How did you and Lisa learn how to do that? Well, we did a lot of the things that that Bob talks about here. and We may not have used these exact words that he uses, but it's the same principles. He calls it the the straight-A strategy of how do you live off of less than 100% of your income? you got to follow this straight-A strategy. There's four 
different things. The first one is this. The letter A is attention. Attention. When my performance is measured, it will improve. When your performance is measured, it will improve. You know, early forms of currency for humans was livestock. Chickens and goats and bulls and, you know, you name it, horses and, and cattle. They would exchange it. They would barter with it. And so as we read through the, the uh, Old Testament especially, we see that, that wealth and, 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 and financial success wasn't measured in, like, how much silver or gold that you had. I mean, that was still part of it. But it's more so measured in the amount of livestock that you had. And so no wonder then that we read this in Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now, this isn't just being, you know, good advice for a farmer of like the, the health. This is really a financial principle here. That when it comes to, you know, your finances, you've got to know that AUM that we talked about, your assets under management. You've got to pay attention to it. You have to know not just how much money is coming in, but you've got to track how much is going out as well. A mathematician, Carl Pearson, he wrote this. When performance is measured, performance improves. When it is measured and reported back, the rate of improvement accelerates. Let me give you a Again, a practical example of this. How many of you know you're in your car, you're driving along, you're sort of, you know, doing whatever you're doing, you're not paying a lot of attention, uh, you know, especially to the speed of, you know, how, how quick you're going, and then all of a sudden you see, like, a, a car that's sort of parked sideways, and you realize that's a cop car, and he's running radar. How many of you just instinctively, right away, your foot goes to the brake? Right? And I've done that sometimes, and I was actually going below the speed limit at the time. But we just like, as soon as we know that our performance is being measured, our performance improves. So we do that with the cops. And what I'm encouraging you to do is the same thing with your finances. Track all the money coming in. Track all the money that's going out as well. Again, Lisa and I, we use a program called Quicken. I'm encouraging you to get Quicken. It's going to help you immensely. If you don't want to do that, there is something for free. It is called uh, the personal, uh, let me find it here, personal capital app. So just download the personal capital app. You're able to link all of your bank accounts and all your spending and everything right to it. And it's going to give you a report of here's what's coming in, here's what's going out. You can go to their website, personalcapital.com, and again, you can do the exact same thing. And it's going to show you a snapshot of where you are. And you're going to see that, oh, we're spending way more on groceries than what I thought we were. You know, I thought we were only spending X number of dollars, but we're actually spending twice that amount. Or guess which one is the one for Lisa and I that tends to be a, a very high thing that we're like, oh, we're spending a lot there. That's eating out. Not only because we bless others, but we just like to eat out. <laughs> Neither one of us really like to cook. And so we eat out a lot. And so we got to, like, track that and make sure that we're not doing more than what we should. And so, again, you, you're going to track everything. And here's what's weird about tracking everything. Without even trying to be better with your spending, you'll get better with your spending because it's being tracked now. Just in the same way that you just automatically, as soon as you know that cop is running radar, you just automatically improve your performance. It's the same way. Just the simple fact that you know it's being tracked, you're going to be a little more conscious of every dollar that you're spending. 
All right. What's the next part of the straight A strategy? It's the letter B on your outline. That is you got to automate. Automate. And that is I can't depend on willpower alone. You know, when it comes to our financial success, most of us are our own worst enemy because we think that, oh, I've got to follow a very strict plan and I've got to be disciplined. I've got to have willpower in order to stick with the plan. But here's what I found through the years, not just with finances, but with every area of life. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're very, very successful people, they don't depend on their own willpower. They don't depend on being disciplined. You know what they depend on? Automation. That they automate as many things as possible in their life so it just automatically happens and they don't even have to think about it anymore. Now, let me give you an example of something that you're already automating in your finances and you don't even think about it. How many of you know that when your employer pays you a, your paycheck, you don't get all the paycheck, do you? Who gets the first cut? Good old Uncle Sam. It wasn't always that way. Did you know that, I think it was up to like the 1940s or so, that when people got a paycheck and had to pay their taxes, they had to keep track of the whole thing themselves. And again, I think it was the, the 40s or so when the government said, you know what, we're just going to pass a law and take it right out of your paycheck. And so that automatically happens for you every single paycheck. And guess what? you've learned to adapt off of less than all the income that you make. You've adapted. You don't live off your gross income. You live off of the net income after Uncle Sam has already taken his portion. And all I'm encouraging you to do is do the exact same thing. So let me give you some examples from Lisa and I's life. Our giving. Our giving here to Exponential. I get paid on the 1st and the 15th of the month. Guess what else happens on the 1st and the 15th of the month? On the Exponential website, there's a feature called Reoccurring Giving, and we set that up. And by the way, that's on the gross. We'll talk about this in a couple weeks. Who gets first? God always gets first. So before Uncle Sam gets his cut, Exponential gets its cut, or God is getting his cut. And so that automatically happens. I don't even have to think about it. All of our investing that we do automatically happens. So I think right now we got like 17 different companies that we invest in every single month. It just automatically happens. And as we kept adding, you know, companies and stuff, then we just learned to adapt a little less of the income that we're able to spend on our normal living expenses. And you just get used to it. I don't even think about that money anymore. It just happens. And so I want to encourage you to, to do the same thing. Automate as much as you can. Your tithing, your investing, your bills that you're paying. And I, I can't stress enough, it is very, very important that you do this. That way you don't have to have discipline. You don't have to have willpower. It just happens for you. All right, let her see then the third part of our straight-A strategy, and that is that you've got to adjust. Adjust. If I find myself in a hole, I've got to stop digging. 
How many of you notice that when you get a raise at work, you have no problems adjusting your spending, do you? Right? Oh, we got more, so that means we can spend more. One of the things I'll encourage you to do is never, ever adjust your spending up again. Always put that as a part of your percentage. So live off of the way that you're currently living, and then the rest is a blessing that you can take to give more, to save more, to invest more, and just be a blessing to people. So we have no trouble when it is going up. The trick is what happens when it goes down for some reason. Maybe you get laid off. Or maybe it isn't even that your income went down. Maybe it's just simply that, you know, you had a, a big expense come in. An appliance breaks, a car breaks down, whatever. You've got to adjust your spending. You can't just keep spending the way you were because now things are different. You've got to learn to adjust to it. And the goal isn't to completely solve the problem. The, the, the goal is to make the problem less bad than it would be. So you've got to learn to adjust down. So you can't control everything because things happen. But what you can control is your prayer life. You can be praying about it. God, I need help with it. The, the battle is yours. It's not mine. So God, what are the simple steps that I can do so you can show up and do your part then. And then again, second, you got to adjust your spending down and leave to God the things which you can't control. So here's one of the things that Bob writes about in the, in the book. And I had never done this exercise before until I, I read this particular book, and it was quite fascinating, actually. He says, what you need to do is create what's called a survival budget. And you do this before you have some sort of disaster, and what the survival budget is, is simply this. What is the absolute least amount of money that you could spend in a month and still get by with all the bills that need to be paid? So, like, if you have a mortgage, you have to pay that mortgage, right? If you have a car payment, you have to be paying that. But there are some things in your life that, okay, in the worst-case scenario, okay, I, I could cut off the cable, I could... Uh, stop doing the Netflix. I could, uh, you know, pause my gym membership. Um, you know, I, I could, um, you know, and, and that, that doesn't mean you stop working out. You know, you just, you're going to work out at home now. Uh, what, are, what are some other things, you know, that, that you could do? That, that you, you don't have to, uh, you, you don't buy all the name brand groceries anymore. You're buying the store uh, brand, except for toilet paper. Remember, I've told you that before. Never, ever, ever skimp on the uh, getting the cheap toilet paper. That, that's one you always want to have the good stuff, all right? But other than that, you think about what is the least amount of money that I could get by but still be paying the bills that I have to pay? And what you're going to find, oh, you know, so you're going to cut out eating out, you're going to cut out your Starbucks, you're going to cut out, you know, all that stuff. You're cutting all of it out. What you're going to find, and, and when I did this exercise, it was like, wow, you can actually get by on, on very little. And you know what that does for you? It actually gives you peace of mind then. Because if something does happen, you've already thought about this worst case scenario, and you're like, breathe, pray, all right, we're, we're going to get through this. Because we already have a plan of how to get through something like this. So you got to learn how, again, to adjust. Remember, this isn't how you're going to live for the rest of your life. This is only a temporary solution to avoid a long-term crisis. All right, let's move on. Letter D then, it's accountability. Accountability. I must make it hard to fail and easy to succeed. 
Here's the problem with most accountability in our lives, and I'll, I'll just even use it even amongst us as Christians. Let's say I say to Nate, you know, Nate, I've been struggling, you know, getting into God's Word every day and, and having a daily devotion. I want you to hold me accountable. Now, I know Nate would say, yeah, man, I'll, I'll do that for you. And so Nate comes to me and says, Gilbert, how'd you do with your devotions this week? And I'm like, I didn't do it at all this week. Well, now, what's Nate going to do to me? Is he going to tar and feather me? He should, right? But, but uh, you know. So when it comes to accountability for us as Americans and in all areas of life, there's no consequence for what we do. We ask for it, and we may receive some feedback, but there's no real consequence that happens in our lives. And so what we need to do is we need to have consequences that we impose upon ourselves. So let me give you an example. Let's say I said to Nate, hold me accountable for this, and if I don't do it, here's what I'm vowing to do. I will every single Sunday for the rest of the year wear a Penn State jersey <laughs> and sing the praises of the campus up to the north in every single sermon. Do you see now how I've made it very, very easy for myself to succeed and I've made it very, very hard and painful to fail? So it's now no longer about somebody else doing something. This is something I'm saying, all right, here is what I'm imposing on myself. And you need to do the same thing with your financial goals. You need to have some things which you're imposing upon yourself that if I don't stick to this budget, if I don't stick to, you know, this particular category, here's sort of the punishment for myself. Bob talks about in, in the book that he, like, never, ever eats, like, fast food, like, ever. And so he had a financial goal that he's like, all right, if I do this, I'm going to eat McDonald's every single day for a month. He said, guess what? I, I was pretty good about that financial goal because I knew that not only would it, you know, physically I was going to get sick, but it just, you know, there, there was so much that he realized would be bad about the situation. And so one of the things he encourages is that don't try to fix everything all at once. He said, so have a, a, what he called a, a one-budget category. In other words, what is the one area of your finances you struggle with the most in keeping under control? So let me give you an example. You know, many of you, it's Starbucks. $5 a day for your cup of whatever that you get. By the way, we, when Levi and I were in uh, Costa Rica this week, we actually got to go to the Starbucks farm where, like, all the coffee is grown. It was actually it was pretty cool. I'm not a coffee drinker, but it was actually a pretty cool thing to see. But $5 per cup on average, you know, for whatever you're getting, you do that five days a week, you know, I'm on my way to work, and, you know, I'm going to get that. You realize that's $1,300 a year just in Starbucks? And so maybe you say, all right, that, that's an area that, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to treat myself one time per week to Starbucks, and the rest of the time I'll, you know, make my own coffee. That's going to save you about $1,000 over the course of the year. And so what, what you do with this one budget category is you say, all right, since that's the thing that I struggle with, what I'm going to do is every single month, because I'm still going to get four times a month, I'm going to treat myself. It's $20 every single month. On the first day of the month, I'm going to go into Starbucks. I'm going to give them $20 for a gift card. 
That gift card's going in my wallet, my purse, and that's the only way all month long I can buy Starbucks is on that gift card. Now, again, you've got to set whatever your consequence is if, if you fail to do that. But it's going to help you to get that spending under control because you have to do it on the gift card. Or maybe you just withdraw $20 from the ATM and you put that $20, you know, like in the, in the, the console of the dashboard of your car. And you say, all right, there's my $20 for the month. And that's, you got to pay cash for it. Now you're going, okay, go, what happens if it's like something bigger? Like your groceries. Maybe your grocery bill per month is, I don't know, $600 a month and you want to get it down to $400 a month. Or whatever the number. I don't know what the number is. But you want to get your groceries under control. So one of the things you could do is go to the bank, set up a completely separate checking account that's just your grocery fund. Every single month, from your normal savings and checking account, you would draw the $400 in this case, you put it over into that special fund, you have the debit card, and that debit card now is the only way you're going to buy the groceries, is on that special card. Again, you're getting that under control, and you have to have some sort of consequence. So make it hard to fail and easy to succeed. So again, you, you've got you to do this straight A strategy if you want to get to this place where you're never, ever, ever spending 100%. So you've got to pay attention, you've got to automate, you've got to adjust, you have to have some sort of accountability. So I wrap up today, let me remind you that the scripture we looked at in Second Chronicles, the song that we sang earlier, the battle belongs to the Lord. Today, your finances, and again, many people's finances in America, it seems hopeless. It seems helpless. It seems like the odds are stacked against you and that there's no way out. But the battle is God's. It's not yours. And so if you'll do the simple thing, the easy things, the natural things, then God will show up and do the supernatural. So he's willing to do his part. Are you going to do your part? Like the people of Judah, you march out into the city, then God is going to show up. And the battle is his, and he's going to win it for you. You can do this financially. Do the simple things that God's word tells you to do. And we'll look at more of them throughout this series. Do the simple things that you're called to do. God will do his part. And so you need to earn all you can. You need to save all you can. You need to give all you can, and in the midst of it, you're going to enjoy it all. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you that um, your word has the answer to every single thing that we'll ever encounter in life. Yes, your, your word is a book of theology, and it's a religious text that helps us to know how to have a relationship with God and grow in a relationship with God, but God, you are so practical. You care about every single aspect of our lives, including our financial lives. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every person that's here today, those that are watching online, maybe even watching sometime in the future, that, Lord, no matter where they're at financially, they would realize that, number one, their wealth is not measured in dollars and cents. It's not measured in their possessions. It's measured in that relationship with you. So, Lord, that, that's the starting point. Do I have a relationship, a real and personal relationship with Jesus? And Jesus, in the, the midst of that then, not only do you give us eternal life forever, but you want us to have an abundant life right here and right now. And again, abundance isn't necessarily more stuff. 
but an abundance of just a peace of mind and a peace of heart. And, and we know that, that many times our financial situation, it just distracts us from having relationships with others and being able to serve and being able to be generous and, and just not being all stressed out. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that we would take these simple principles, apply it to our lives, and, Lord, watch as your blessing comes in. Lord, help us to always be reminded that when we are blessed, we are blessed to be a blessing. It's not about just accumulating more and more stuff for ourselves. Yes, we're going to talk about earning all that we can and saving. That is important. But just as important is giving and giving and giving a heart of generosity. And that's where true enjoyment is going to come in life. So, Lord, I just pray that throughout uh, this entire series, the hearts and the lives of the people would be changed. The financial situations would begin to, to change as we follow your marching orders. And we trust that if we'll do our part, you're going to uh, show up and do your part as well. That the battle truly belongs to you. So, Jesus, thank you in advance for how you're going to change our hearts and our lives and our financial situations as well. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.